0: So today we're going to talk about the Foreign Extortion Prevention Act or FIPA for those in the know, which was passed as part of the annual defense spending bill known as the National Defense Authorization Act or the NDAA. So Matt, what does FIPA do or what hole does it plug that's been around since the passage of the FCPA? This is Tom Fox. In this episode, Matt and I take a deep dive into the recently enacted Foreign Extortion Prevention Act, or FIPA. This fills a gaping hole in the FCPA, which criminalized the payment of a bribe. Well, now we have criminalized the receipt or demand of a bribe. It is brings the United States into the 2020s and anti-bribery and anti-corruption. We take a deep dive to figure out what it all means, what it means for compliance professionals, and what it may mean from the DOJ.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox and Matt
0: Kelly back for another episode of the award-winning Compliance into the Weeds. This is our final podcast for 2023, so let's make it a good one, Matt. Sure thing, Tom. Good to be here. So today we're going to talk about the Foreign Extortion Prevention Act, or FIPA for those in the know, which was passed as part of the annual defense spending bill known as the National Defense Authorization Act, or the NDAA. So, Matt, what does FIPA do or what hole does it plug that's been around since the passage of the
1: FCPA? Uh, This plugs a big hole for anti-corruption people that they have been complaining about for many, many years. Uh, Basically, this law, which, as you said, Tom, Congress enacted last week, and President Biden is—I don't believe he has signed it yet, but he's going to sign this because it is a large defense bill— has to pass so this is going to go into effect uh FIpa makes it a crime for any foreign government official to solicit or accept a bribe from a u.S entity so essentially it is the companion to the FCpa which criminalizes offering a bribe to a foreign government official and for many years people have said well how come the companies are paying the price legally, when we're not going after the foreign government officials who are taking the bribes? That's an excellent question. And now it's been answered because FIPA addresses that other part. It is, I suppose we could call it a bookend or a companion piece of legislation or whatever metaphor you want to use, but it now lets U.S. prosecutors go after the foreign government officials. Um, My understanding is that there's no effective date, in the future for this. I mean, once the president signs it into law, it's on the books and the Justice Department will be able to use it.
0: So there's lots of unanswered questions here, but I absolutely agree with your analysis, Matt, that this is something that's been long overdue. It's something U.S. companies have talked about. I think certainly I have, and I think you have as well talked about the supply side nature of the FCPA and what it attempted to uh, criminalize back in 77 and how we saw that. Of course, going forward, the um, I guess for compliance professionals, do they need to do anything different right now than they have been doing uh, in light of the passage of FIPA, or uh, do co- corporations need to put some enhancement in place, uh, literally in 2020 or Q1 2024?
1: Well, the honest answer is we're not sure. Um, So probably the best answer to your question is what should compliance officers do right now is think about potentially how might this work? And, you know, we could say that the arrival of FIPA unto itself is a good thing. The more tools we have to to fight government corruption, the better. I think that FIPA's arrival is a great point, a great thing. But- we would be foolish to ignore the implications for FCPA prosecution. Now that this tool exists on the receiving end, how would that maybe change the calculus for prosecutors who are also prosecuting corruption on the giving end? Um, Let's always remember that if you, the company, are being prosecuted for paying a bribe to a government official, by definition, that means a FIPA violation happened. Somebody somewhere accepted that bribe. So what is the Justice Department going to do with this law? Um, For example, we always hear from the Justice Department that for good FCPA compliance, you must uh, voluntarily self-disclose, but you must also cooperate with the department to pursue any individuals who have been complicit in the bribery scheme. Well, that foreign government official is now complicit in the bribery scheme. He or she has always been complicit in the bribery scheme, but we never had the legal mechanism to try and go after them. Now we do. So does this mean that to have a full cooperation on your FCPA case, you must also assist the department in pursuing its FIPA case against that corrupt government official? Um, Would you have to provide testimony, sworn testimony from your employees about, yes, Minister so and so tried to shake us down for a bribery, or yes, we did pay this bribe? Um, What if the department somehow gets the foreign government to extradite this official, and now he or she is in U.S. custody? Would the company's employees now have to testify in court against this person? Would your settlement for an FCPA violation be paused? until they get an indictment on the FIPA case against the foreign government official. We don't know. Um, I hope that in 2024, the Justice Department will start going on some sort of speaking tour to talk about how FIPA is going to be used and what sort of expectations it might have for companies that are caught up in these things. You know, What are you supposed to do with this? But This could, in theory, be a powerful tool to go after corrupt officials around the world, except you, the FCPA victim here or perpetrator, co-conspirator, whatever you want to call the company, you're going to have to go along for that ride. Um, So how is that going to work? And Tom, that's my big question about the arrival of FIBA.
0: And it strikes me that perhaps uh, I'm going to take what you said and turn it maybe a quarter turn. Uh, Certainly, the cooperation requirement is well known uh, for companies under the FCPA and they're in an investigation. But as you noted, that is for FCPA violations, same crime that others in the company, individuals in the companies may engage in. Here under FIPA, we have a separate crime. What if a company or even an individual took the position that, well, if you want that guy, you're going to have to give me something, which is typically what we see in U.S. criminal prosecutions that they have to make some sort of trade-off, whether it's reduced sentence, whether it's no sentence, whether it's something um, that is um, traded off for cooperation for another crime, not the same crime. And that, number one. Number two is what if if any or how, if any, does that put a company at risk if they start not, I guess that would be flipping, uh, but flipping on another crime, once again, not an FCPA crime. Um, So those uh, are, to my mind, are are perhaps equally interesting questions. Not sure you can force someone to testify about other crimes and get cooperation for the uh, original underlying FCPA uh, crime as well. But perhaps the DOJ will tell us about that.
1: Uh, Well, so I think that gets to a really interesting question. And I will, of course, also disclose right now I am not a lawyer. I have paid attention to the law for a long time. But this is a question maybe for outside counsel and law professors somewhere, if really we're talking about the same corrupt act, which was a payment of a bribe. There was a violation on the recipient end, FIPA, and a violation on the giver end, FCPA. And I appreciate that under the statutes, those are separate crimes, but it's one connected illegal act So could the department take the position that, no, we're not going to be able to give you any credit for that unless you testify in a separate crime? Are they going to try and treat them as one single corrupt act? Um, Would the company in question have some ability to fight that? How would a court see this? Let's assume it ever gets to the inside of a courtroom, which generally FCPA cases do not. Um, I'm also very curious, you know, the FIPA cases, I'm glad that we would be able to indict some of these corrupt officials. But really, how often are they going to see the inside of a courtroom either? Um, But I think you are spot on saying that this raises a lot of questions about bargaining power. Um, Tom, I could even sketch out that let's say the foreign government official solicits the bribe to you, the company, but you don't pay it. Instead, you just make a note that this corrupt official did solicit a bribe. Well, that's a FIPA violation, but if you don't pay it, you haven't had an FCPA violation, but now you know about a FIPA violation. Could you go to the department and say, well, if you're looking to nail this corrupt official to the wall, we have the goods on him, but you got to do us a favor on this other thing over here on, I don't know, some totally unrelated statutory violation, uh, maybe even a domestic matter. But how much horse trading is really going to go on here? I don't know. Um, Tom, if you have thoughts, I'd love to know, or any listeners out there who are involved in corporate litigation, I'd be eager to hear their thoughts too. But I think that we are going to have a a body of work is going to come about in 2024 and beyond as we see how these two companion laws how they're going to fit together and how various players in these courtroom dramas, like how are they going to be able to move and what can they get away with to further their own interests? And I, I don't know.
0: So that um, I think would elicit the following technical legal response from the department of justice, pound sand. There's um, that, Particularly if it's a second set of prosecutors who say, hmm, uh, pound sand. But that's a really interesting point as well. Being a complete geek and into the weeds, what I've been thinking about is how on earth are you ever going to extradite these people? if They're not in the United Kingdom who routinely sends their, US, uh, their U.K. citizens uh, for punishment to the United States as far back as Enron for financial crimes. Uh, you name the place in the world where uh, there are high incidences of solicitations of bribes. Uh, my sense is they will never extradite to the United States, although perhaps the, the thought of never being able to go to Disneyland is enough to prevent foreign officials from engaging in bribery and cr- demands for bribery and corruption. But I just don't know how you're going to get those people to the U.S. to face justice.
1: Uh, I think that's a valid question. On the other hand, I also think that there are going to be circumstances where the federal government will want to do it anyways. Think of how often we have indicted Russian or Chinese government officials for cybersecurity meddling in the United States. That has happened. Um, Is China or Russia really going to extradite military officers who are indicted here for cybersecurity crimes? No. But nonetheless, that's not necessarily something that even a foreign government official would love. In theory, if you travel to an Interpol country and there's a warrant out for your arrest, you could get picked up. So there is some curtailment of your highfalutin life uh, just on an indictment alone. Um, But I do think that's a valid question to ask, is how are we really going to do this? Then again, I don't know. Um, But like I keep on saying, that leads to how is the department going to give us guidance about how it will use FIPA? Tom, I wanted to bring this back a bit to the compliance officers who are saying, okay, this is really fascinating armchair stuff, but what's in it for me and my compliance program? I could foresee that depending on the answers that we have about FIPA prosecutions and how they do or don't interact with FCPA prosecutions, you, the compliance officer, you might actually want to update some of your controls or policies to account for what might happen with FIPA. For example... I just sketched out a couple of minutes ago, the foreign corrupt official solicits a bribe, violates FIPA, but you don't pay it. And now you don't have an FCPA violation on your own because you did the good thing. You didn't pay the bribe, but you know about a foreign corrupt official. That's a useful thing for the company to have in its back pocket. So maybe you want to make sure that your policies are crystal clear that not only do you not pay the bribe, But if you are approached to pay a bribe, you have to report that to us. You have to document that for us. And we, the compliance and legal team, are going to keep a running tab of that. What are you going to do with that information as a legal team? You know, I don't know. But you're not going to do anything with it if you don't have policies for your employees that you have to report when you've been hit up for a bribe. So that would be one example of compliance officers today might start thinking about How should we tack into the wind, so to speak, to be able to position the company as smartly as possible for life under FIPA, which will have some sort of implication for your FCPA exposure? I I don't know that we understand all those implications, but clearly they must exist.
0: Well, Matt, that really leads into a point I found incredibly interesting from the new law, which is the following. FIPA requires the DOJ to publish an annual report that discusses the scale and nature of foreign bribe demands against U.S. companies, the effectiveness of U.S. diplomatic efforts to protect U.S. companies from foreign bribery demands, and the efforts of foreign governments to prosecute those crimes. Uh, lots packed in there, at least from my perspective, but they tied directly in the first clause, ties directly, and to your point, if a company knows about it and they don't tell the DOJ, then the DOJ doesn't know about it. So are you going to now be required, either formally or informally, to make these reports so the Department of Justice can publish their annual report? And then the other part is what's going to be the impact of this name and shame list? It, are foreign governments going to try to lobby to stay off of it? This is not Russian oligarchs who have zero influence. This may be places that have large energy stores that U.S. companies want to get to. And what's that going to mean uh, both for U.S. companies and for State Department foreign relations going forward?
1: Uh, So I think those are all excellent points that we also need to consider. Um, What about if these reports, as they come out over time, Will that help other groups such as Transparency International shape the uh, those corruption perception indexes that come out every year, which we are supposed to look at as good compliance doobies and help us set our risk-based approach to business around the world, and we're trying to figure out what are high-risk jurisdictions? Well, if the government is now going to come out with its own annual analysis of how corrupt some of its trade partners are, again— What are we supposed to do with that information? We can't unknow it. We can't pretend it doesn't exist. Will you be expected to factor that sort of information into your risk-based approach to your global anti-corruption program? Um, So I think that there's a lot here. And, Tom, I have to admit that I knew this law had been percolating for a while. I didn't realize until last week that it had been snuck into the defense bill and was going to become law. I guess the department is not caught by surprise that this has happened and I am assuming that the deputy attorney general or the head of the criminal division or other spokesman for DOJ will start giving dis- insights giving us speeches giving us guidance about how are they going to use this because we do have an interest as compliance professionals in seeing what is the department going to do with this tool And then what would that mean for all the other tools it's already been using against us companies under FCPA? Um, So I think that'll be one of the big things that we'll have to look for in 2024.
0: Acting Assistant Attorney General Nicole Argentiera, we are talking to you. We need you to come out and tell us about this. But you buried in there, Matt, something I wanted to maybe conclude with which is not very often on compliance into the weeds do we uh, either salute or shout out or even applaud the U.S. Congress. But I want to do that this time because you're absolutely right. This issue has been percolating probably as long as you and I have been playing in the compliance space. Lots of proposals. Uh, I, like you, heard about it last week, although TI and others, I think, have been lobbying for this uh, very aggressively. And we're able to get this in this bill. And I also agree with your analysis that uh, the DOJ must have known that this was in the bill. I would assume that's something they routinely look at. Um, and I think that uh, they view this as a positive for their efforts as well. So I just want to say at least as to getting this in the 2023 NDA, uh, ND, NDAA, thank
1: you and well done, Congress. Uh, as much as I am astonished to admit it, Tom, I agree with you that we should thank Congress and I suppose in other news, hell freezes over. But um, here we are. Well, the Astros won the World
0: Series twice in my lifetime. So I think those events all converged, um, even if it took a while for them to happen. Matt, as uh, we close uh, this episode and this year, I just wanted to uh, tell all our listeners thank you. We've gotten some incredible feedback. I know a lot of people have enjoyed the podcast and gotten a lot out of it. I've enjoyed Uh, bringing it to our listeners. I love working with you, Matt. It's a ton of fun. So I can't wait to see what 2024
1: brings us. Do you have any last thoughts? No, just uh, the same, Tom. It's always good to hear from the listeners that we are appreciated and uh, we'll keep doing it as long as we can. So I guess we will see everybody in 2024.
0: This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. This will be Matt and I's final episode for calendar year 2023, but I hope you'll join us again next year for more of the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. Matt and I have a ton of fun doing this, and we hope you enjoy it as much as we do bringing it to you. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review wherever great podcasts are listened to. The award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Looking for other great commentary? Check out Two Gurus Talk Compliance, where, with my good friend and colleague Christy Grant Hart, we take a bi-weekly look at top compliance stories which caught our eye. It's a ton of fun. I know you'll enjoy it. Two Gurus
1: Talk Compliance.